Hey everybody, I'm Andy. Welcome to the Elite Beat, your number one source for all the AEW news, previews, and reviews. This is Megan, 111 miles to my southwest. How's it going, Megan? Oh my god, it gets so weird when Jenny's not around. <laughs> I feel I feel like freer, you know, like I mean... I love my wife, of course, but it's, uh, I do, I do, I'm able to get a little looser. Oh, yeah. If you had done this when she was here, oof, there would have been a, a pardon the word, SmackDown. There would have been, there would have been, it would have been um, contentious, and she would have suggested that we uh, restart the recording. Do you want to do that again? <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it happen. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, we're here. I've got a beer that I really want to, uh, drink cause I, I was just, uh, hanging out outside and it's pretty hot. So it seems like a good time for a cerveza. Uh, so let's do the elite beat pop of the week. Um, I will start. I have a Corona light. So literally la cerveza mas fina. Oh. Which I believe means the most fine cerveza or the most fine beer. Indeed. I'll never forget when my dad and I were eating at a Mexican restaurant once and he wanted a beer and he asked for, he asked the waitress for a cerveza. And she said like, that just means beer. <laughs> what kind of beer do you want? Oh, he tried. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, just the beer that you have. Beer brand beer, please. Yeah. All right, what do you have, Megan? Um, I have boxed wine, so it's not going to make a noise. And also, I'm <laughs> here's my life. I'm finishing up one box, so I poured it into this bottle, so I have that. And then, in case I run out, I have another box that I haven't opened. Is that your um? Oh gosh, what was that called? Is that your corksicle wine sealator? Yes, it is. Yes, highly recommended. Holds a whole bottle. Very cool. Um. There you know, was I got not... one. I got one for Jenny, and she's like used it once ever. I like it. Uh, I have. I think I've only used it one time for champagne to keep the temperature, and it's very challenging because the champagne bubbles, and so getting it in there, it kind of like is a little bit of a process. Um, but once it's in there, it does stay the same temperature, so that's nice. So better for red wine, or like at least easier to get in there. Yeah, I've found it's much easier, but I do like that. Um, you know, it holds a whole bottle, and the it it's a screw top, so you, you know, you're locking some air in there, but at least it's an airtight seal. But yeah, it's good stuff, and it's just the uh the Grazi brand red table wine, which I really enjoy because it's low on sugar. It's just a Cabernet, very good, good sipper, if you will. Grazie. Indeed. Grazie mille. Indeed. Um, well, that's great. Uh, well, cheers, Megan, for uh, the Elite Beat Pop of the Week. Uh, I'm drinking my beer. It is fun. Cheers. I'm drinking my wine. It's also fun. Yeah. <sighs> yes. Um, off the top, I do want to say uh, RIP to uh, the Everything Elite podcast, which wrapped up their uh their weekly show last week with last week's episode uh due to not enjoying AEW as much anymore 
essentially. Oh God, don't tell Jenny. <laughs> um, and she's like, that's an option. Yeah. <laughs> don't let her know there's an escape route here. Uh, so yeah, th- that was the, as far as I know, that was the longest running, uh, weekly AEW podcast because they started, I think they started basically the week of the announcement of the company. I'm not even sure exactly what they filled their time with those first five months before uh, double or nothing, but oh. we didn't, we didn't start until, um, until dynamite started. So see, I was going to claim victory. Like, yes, we will surpass them, but we have a little bit to go until that happens. We will surpass them. I have no, I have no plans on giving this up. As long as you don't tell Jenny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So, um, yeah, Aaron, Aaron and Mike, uh, had a really good show. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. They, uh, they talked, they talked about F1 sometimes on there, which made me happy. Um, so, so, uh, farewell fellas. And, uh, I know Mike Spears is still doing a dragon gate podcast cause that's his true passion. But, uh, yeah. So anyway, I, I, I like that show. I know that you've, you listened to it a couple of times and, and enjoyed it. Yeah. They seemed very nice. I mean, I, I will not take the default stance of that's a competitor. <laughs> so I'm happy, but you know, it's too bad. Yeah. Their listenership was so much bigger than ours. That, 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 there was, there no, was no, there was no real Just competition. Let me, let me live in it. That's a competitor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have to, I, I have to say though, I am, I am like, then this is dangerous. Oh, we're to the point, we're to the point with our average listenership where I could flip the the we read uh, anchor ads on the air switch. <laughs> oh my god, that's <laughs> wild! I, like for the for the very very minimal amount of money we would get for doing that, I don't think it's worth it. <laughs> oh, they would be a drunken mess. Let's be real, which I I feel like is the charm, right? It's yeah. like the hosts having their own voice, but that's fun. That's it's kind of fun trivia. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, thanks for being with us, average listeners. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. Um, let's see, what can we get into here? Let's talk ratings. Uh, first rampage. So they had that five thirty p.m. airing last week. <laughs> Dinner time rampage. And they're and honestly, having another one too. And they have another one coming up tomorrow. But honestly, I loved it. I'm excited for tomorrow to watch my <laughs> my dinnertime rampage. Um, what do you what? What do you, Megan, what do you think that uh, a 5.30 p.m. edition of Rampage did ratings-wise? Very, very good? Or no, no, very, oh God. very, very bad? So I'm thinking in terms of what is the what is the lowest floor that they could have before it is considered like a disaster beyond the 5.30 time slot. 5.30 EST, to be clear. I hope... I'm not saying they didn't, but I hope that they didn't go below 300,000. Okay, let's find out. This is from Paul Fontaine's report on F4WOnline.com. Friday's AEW Rampage, which aired in the afternoon due to a scheduling conflict with the NBA playoffs, averaged 292,000 viewers on TNT. That's down 43.6% from the previous week. And is the lowest audience in the show's history. Oh, that's rough. 
Uh, in the 18 to 49 demo, Rampage finished 49th on the cable charts with a 0.11 rating, down 42% from the previous week. Also, the lowest 18 to 49 demo rating in show history. Oh my god! But of course, we have to remember that these ratings don't mean anything. So. Yeah, but even though they don't mean anything, I just, like I said, a floor of 300,000. I thought that would be like the worst, and then. And then it got worse. Uh, but, I, you know, I'm also I'm not versed in how other shows are doing and if this is expected. But it is scary to think that this week there's another dinner time rampage. Dinner time, to be clear, for the East Coast. Because Pacific yeah, late, time. Late lunch for Pacific time. <laughs> yeah, Pacific time is like, what are you doing mid-afternoon on a Friday? Work? Yeah, that's okay. You could stop doing that and watch this live so that we get ratings up. I feel like a lot of people are pretty are, are, are pretty much winding down by two thirty on Friday. Yeah, but some people, I don't know, depending on how stringent, even if you're remote. But yeah, like, hey, if you can, just pop that sucker on in the background. You know, like, just give them the view so that um, disaster doesn't strike. But yeah, it's uh, it's intense to have such an early rampage. I <laughs> I do think. Man, I could watch that during dinner if uh, the the person I live with, my sister, my relation, um, did not hate wrestling. Mm. I mean, it's not a lot of wrestling. It's only an hour. That's what I would try to do to sell her. And you know what? She'd probably just fuck around on her phone for an hour. I think Riho's wrestling on tomorrow's show, right? Yes, and she loves those anime girls. I mean, yeah. You did you note the fact that uh, when we did watch the uh, Royal Rumble? She looked up one time, and it was when Sasha Banks walked out dressed as Sailor Moon. Yep. Yep. So that's that's the audience at our house. Um, so maybe I can convince her to watch a 5.30 p.m. rampage. Maybe. It would be nice for you to just get out of the way. I know. Yeah, totally. Check it off the list, man. Uh, which takes us to the Dynamite ratings from last night. Wednesday's episode of AEW Dominate averaged 840,000 viewers on TBS, up 0.8% from last week. But still the second lowest audience the show has drawn since moving to TBS. In the 18 to 49 demo, uh, Dynamite finished fifth on the cable charts with a 0.33, up 3.1%. Um, so in addition to the usual NBA playoff competition, Dynamite also finished behind last night's season premiere of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. <laughs> oh, we don't have Jenny, our Bravo correspondent, to clue us no. into whether or not that's a how that fits. And uh, yeah, so again, like you know, it's the NBA playoffs. Like <laughs> you're not you're not going to do. And no, it's not in the NBA playoffs. It's also the NHL playoffs. So basically, anybody with any interest in real sports is probably watching that. Or one one of those two things. Yeah, that's fair. And again, I'm I'm not as shocked by these numbers as I was the rampage ones. Mm -hmm. But again, it's basketball season, so all of this should theoretically not count against them. That's I what agree. With. That's what it was. You want to get a little bit of news before we do our our recaps? Yes, hit me with the news. Okay. Uh, Tony Khan, this is from Ian Carey at f4wonline.com. Ian Khan, no, no, Tony Khan, 
has confirmed that AEW Trios championships have been made and also teased there could be other titles that have been as well. During an interview with TSN, the AEW president realized that he actually had the Trios belt made a long time ago. He said, I saw Dave Meltzer reported it and nobody's asked me on the record yet, but it is truthful that I have made the belts. I made them a long time ago. To be honest with you, they've never been seen and I did have them made. I do have more championship belts in my possession that have never been unveiled than anybody might suspect. <laughs> that sounds so sinister. Okay, Tony Khan. Okay. He, he continued to say that he had the TBS championship in his office for months before anyone knew it was going to be unveiled. Um, he also noted that the purchase of Ring of Honor opens up the door to using their titles as well. Well, of course it does. Well, yeah. They have Basically. been actively using their titles. So. Yeah, especially like that. Yeah, the women's and the TV title. Yeah. Um, and then you did say, but there are more championship belts than people might think that I've had up my sleeve, and the trios championship are arguably the foremost. It's hilarious the way the quote is. I don't know if he meant it this way, but it sounds to me like he had them made a long time ago. Dave Meltzer reported, and he just like forgot about them, like left them in the back of his closet or something. I was like, oh. Those trios titles, there they are. <laughs> that is a thing I was gonna do. Like it's just like he was just like leafing through the observer last week and was like, oh right. Yeah, where did I put those things? <laughs> like what? <laughs> but that's exciting. I mean, we we yeah. wanted it for a while, right? Yeah, I don't know I don't know when they're gonna get around to it, but hopefully soon ish. I'm hoping for trios titles, which he's all but confirmed. But also these secret belts that he um, doesn't think we we know about yet, which we don't. Um, I'm hoping for maybe some ladies tag titles, maybe ex- something to expand the opportunities in the ladies division. Is yeah. I, when he said that, I was trying to think like what what other belts would you have? Because they've got like a men's and women's equivalent of world titles. And end of secondary titles. Right. So you need you need women's tag titles. Yes. So yeah, I think I think that that probably makes sense because I, I can't even think of what else it would be. Yeah, unless there's some hyper specialized TNT TBS level equivalent, but it, I can't think of what that would be. I mean, obviously it wouldn't be another network thing, but. Maybe it would be. Maybe they're maybe they're going to get moved to True TV. And oh God, I would love to see a True TV title. Have it in Practical Jokers Championship. <laughs> Don't joke about it because it almost happened. Clearly, yeah. on this episode. Uh, other news. Uh, Hikaru Shida is out of the Women's Owen Hart Foundation tournament, and Chris Statlander will replace her. Is so that's official because I feel like at the time of Dynamite they were still kind of yes. going back and forth on it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So Sheeta or so Statlander versus Red Velvet will take place next week on next week's Rampage. Okay. In a quarterfinal match. Um, I think I'm not 100 percent sure. I think this is an angle because I think. Sheeta's like just working over in Japan right now. So mm-hmm. I don't think I think this was the plan. 
Okay. I couldn't tell if Shido was supposed to be going evil. And I base that only on the fact that she wore all black in her match against magical girl Yuka Sakazaki, who is just how could you how could she ever be evil? She's she's so happy. You're talking about Riho. Oh. Yes, sorry. I'm thinking I'm like totally off on the mat. Sorry. Sorry. I'm the worst. I'm the worst. Uh, from oh. what I can see from she does the stuff she's been doing in Japan, it does seem like she has been kind of working heel. So, well, I thought she would have that opportunity, except then she started feuding with Serena Deeb, who is so clearly the angry heel in that. Um, but you think they're just letting her go do dates? Mm-hmm. That's good. Okay. Yeah. I, I was worried when they said she was hurt. I'm like, oh fuck, that's I mean she might be. She might have gotten hurt in one of those matches in Japan, but I I do think it's I I, I think it's an angle. Well, the last one we saw from her was against Serena Deeb where they were literally street fighting. Yeah. And you could theoretically get very hurt. Well, right, but 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 what I'm saying is she's she has been working matches over in Japan since then. Oh, okay. Good. Sheeta, stay safe. Riho, I'm sorry. Sheeta, I'm sorry. Uh, for some reason I have rampage on the brain. <laughs> she yeah, let me see. She's wrestled four matches this month in Japan so far for four different promotions. Wow. Is there I I don't obviously don't think she's leaving AEW because I I'm pretty sure she's still somewhere in the contract thing, but is there a reason that she um she is suddenly taking on a variety of bookings in Japan? I don't know. She might just ask to. She's just allowed and using that freedom. It's not indicative so. of. Okay. I worry because you sent me that whole big thread from. Oh, I know. I know. And I, <laughs> which I assume we'll talk about, but like, I don't know what's happening when people just go do other promotions. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, she has wrestled for Tokyo Joshi Pro, Ice Ribbon, Wave, and Oz Academy uh, in the last. Really, over the course of five days. So, damn, Sheena. Okay. Yeah. Um. So I've got some. I've got a little bit of Jack Evans news straight from the horse's mouth because he gave an interview to uh, Chris Van Vliet. Okay. If you remember that guy? I do. Um, uh, he said that. Uh, so I'm. I'm just. I'm kind of quoting from uh, a transcript. Uh, but I did I did listen to the interview earlier today. He was talking about how he thinks that he got a little bit lazy. Okay. So I feel like that salary contract made me a little soft. There was a little while where I got a bit plump and I fell off after that after that COVID layoff. I only feel like I started to come back after that layoff, but I think at that point the company had already made up its mind or whatever. I did just get kind of not lazy in the ring, but lazy outside of the ring. Well, you were being pursued by the Mexican police. That's also true. So but looking back on uh, his run, he did say, he said, I feel like for the first year, the run actually started out good. We kind of had the place as the semi-comedic tag team. Then me and Angelico were trapped over the Mexican border, which got closed because of COVID restrictions. We had this four month layoff. Mm hmm. 
I had this practice match when I came back and I actually got my face broken. So there was another two month layoff. I feel like after that, I never came back full force. I feel like I really deteriorated. Oh, Jack. That's too bad. Especially because Angelico got to stay. And I'm not saying he shouldn't. It's just like, it's kind of a burn when only half the tag team gets cut. Yeah. It is. It is interesting to think like if they had not been based in Mexico and they'd been based in Florida or Georgia or somewhere, somewhere drivable to Daly's place and they'd been, and they'd been part of that COVID crew, like, like the best friends were. And because I really feel like Tony Khan felt like after that, like these are the people that I can really rely on. Yeah. Yeah. And also like, the, they're perfectly positioned to be used in whatever way they see fit because it's not like they had any, you know, long-running storylines or anything. And you could stick them with whoever. Yeah, it it sucks that that is kind of the weird factor. And yeah. also that, like, man, you couldn't just get, like, a rental in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. So that's what's up with Jack. Well, I hope he, he, I hope he recovers. I don't. He seemed, he seemed in, he seemed in pretty good spirits. Um, You know, he was pretty, he was seemed pretty level headed about the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. That recovering scene, that's an unfair word to use for sure. I just, I hope he has no more issues with the Mexican police and he has the freedom to work where he needs to, because I think he's a draw and especially probably in Mexico where he's super established anyway, you know, he probably, Mm -hmm. probably will do fine, but man, that's what he's, that's what he's basically saying. He's doing now. He says like at his age, he's starting to think about maybe semi-retirement, but he's going to work Mexican Indies for a while at least. Yeah, I kind of just assume since he lived down there, he must have some level of fame down there just because like. Yeah, I mean, he was he was with AAA, so I mean, he was on their TV for years, so I'm sure he has some kind of recognizability. Yeah, if you live there, you're always available kind of to to do shows that maybe, you know, they can't fly people in for. It seems like if nothing else, he'd be people would see him a lot, you know, like, yeah, so hopefully he's. He does fine down there, but that's, you know, way to be level-headed about it, Jack. And also, sorry you were pursued by the Mexican police for, I guess, however long you were. Um, that takes us to our final news story of the day. This is from Fightful Select. Uh, they have a report that says that MJF is leaning towards leaving AEW as of now. When his deal is up, uh, they were the ones who had reported last month that uh, there was a heated discussion between MJF and Tony Khan last month over a uh, Ariel uh, Ariel Helwani podcast appearance that um, he didn't get cleared by the company. And uh, MJF is not happy about his contract situation and the pay scale and uh he's the whole thing really really kind of soured him wow that's mm, 
I just thought he was joking about 2024, but okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, now, it should be noted that he does have almost two years left on on his deal. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's a lot of time for things to change. Recoveries to be made, yes, for sure. To be made. Um, you know, AEW will have their new... TV deal by then, so there will be there should be a lot more money that they could spend on re-signing an MJF. Um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of like there's not a lot of news about it, but uh, but I, he he'd be really he'd fit well into what WWE does. I will say that, and I think they would spend a lot to get him. Oh, probably. But at this point, it's also like how much is them spending money for a, a talent that they're like, we know how we'll use this person versus like, we want to take them away from AEW. Right. I'm also, I know I shouldn't be surprised, but I'm a little surprised at the the WWE corporateness of uh, MJF getting slapped on the wrist for doing a podcast with Ariel Hawani. Yeah, I think I think it's just that you're supposed to clear your media appearances. I yeah, I guess to, that like that just gets my hackles up. Like I too would be like, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> like I'm not say, if I'm not saying anything bad about the company, like do what I want. Like <laughs> no, I he cannot did. be contained. Okay, <laughs> that that is that is the podcast where he first brought up the 2024 thing. Oh, so but okay. Here's the thing: is <laughs> I think also in the back of my mind, I know that Tony Khan can take things a little personally mm-hmm. and be a little weird about it. So okay, I I thought the 2024 gimmick was funny and okay. So okay, here's where I'm at on this. Like this could all be true, but also I if if he leaves in two years and they spend like a decent portion of his time on television until then with him talking about how he might leave for the competition, like leading up to that, I think that makes Tony Khan look like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to an extent though, he can't, he can only control how much he can offer. Right. And if MJF. Or- yeah. But if MJF is like, no, I want out of here. I'm going to sign with WWE in two years at that point. Like, don't you go like, okay, well, okay. I mean, I guess I'll use you on TV because you're a great talent, but you can't cut promos about it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You got to like, kind of like wind down and be like, okay, well, if you're giving me essentially your two weeks notice, two years notice at this point, like we're going to start pulling you off of things and uh, diminishing your role because you're going to leave. Yeah. That, that I get that. That makes sense. Um, I think it's wild that MJF would do that. Again, like every time somebody's like, I'm gonna leave AEW to go to WWE, and I know it's been rare, but you know, the roller coaster, he he went there. Um I just it boggles the mind because I'm like, I don't think you're gonna have so much fun in WWE. I, I have no context. I know nothing about either company like the back office workings, but it seems like, creatively speaking, AEW by default has more freedom. I don't know. It's wild to think. 
and I yes, I know money's a factor as Andy just silently does the money signal, but um man, like I he, don't know. There I think there is a sense that he thinks he's the best heel in the business and he wants to be paid like it. Fair. But if you get paid like it at WWE, you're probably not going to be the best heel in the business because they're probably going to rein you in a lot. Probably. I was thinking last night, like, and we'll get to it, obviously, but when he was doing, he was just like, like, I thought that was one of the all-time great MJF performances, his mm-hmm. segment last night. And I was just thinking, like, dude, you're never going to get to do stuff like this in WWE. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's the thing is, like, you can make all the money in the world over there, in yeah. theory. But you know what? Though? He's young. Maybe he just wants to kick the tires and like just have that experience. Just to you know, like whatever. He can come back. There's and and honestly, like the business is healthier when people are going back and forth between two big companies than just like staying forever in one. Yeah, it's true. It's totally true. I mean, that is the the other side of the coin that we, we praised so much that AEW had become a thing and people have options. So yes, the the other side of that is that people can move around which is good it's just man i'm like i don't know i wish i was in a position where where you know money be damned like or i guess creativity be damned in that case i it's wild to me how this stuff works and just i would just be happy to be there you know just like just yeah. like a, a dark elevation talent or whatever yeah i you know how MJF, like, never wrestles? Yeah. Like, I don't think he... I think he's probably going to be have to be on, like, a full house show schedule if he signs with WWE. Yeah. They're going to expect him to be working, like, three times a week. I mean, you've, you're hired as an entertainer. Part of that yeah. entertainment is physically wrestling. So, again, like... And, and maybe he's fine with that, but my, I, I kind of get the feeling that he his mentality is to, like, do as little physicality as possible, like between matches like like you know he he always goes all out in matches and i appreciate that about him but i think his philosophy is to have less matches so he can do that and then not like burn himself out at a young age yes which is a good plan yeah totally good strategy especially if you can talk like he can yeah but i think you give that up if you go to wwe because vince is like talking well we write your scripts so yeah (laughs) you're gonna need to wrestle (laughs) oh Okay, so that's the MJF thing. We'll keep an eye on that. Um, but of course, it's two years away. So um, the other, the only other thing is the Kota Ibushi thing, and I don't even know if I want to get into that because I, I know he's AEW adjacent, but it's so weird, and it's just based on like people translating his tweets, and I'm I'm just I don't have a good grasp on what's happening. It seems like he's really upset. Um, uh, yeah, I was going to ask you for clarification because, uh, for background, you sent me a link to, uh, a person's page where they essentially like, like you said, they translated some tweets and then they, they didn't add too much subjectivity to it, but there were speculations about things. What the hell is going, like what happened that it sounds like Kota Ibushi is upset with New Japan. Is that what I'm taking from it? And that. He's doing a lot of stuff that in Japanese culture is um, very bad, I would say, <laughs> like calling people out in a way that I feel like over here in America, like, I don't know, people aren't getting blasted 
yes. pe- people who do get like blasted for the same things are not getting punished in any way. He's calling people out, and also in the last series of tweets, at least up to that point, I don't know if he's been at it again, because um, uh, it's it's morning there now. But um, <laughs> uh, or actually, it's like afternoon. Um, but anyway, um, he started talking about like. Basically, the, the the kanji symbols he used like were the word for um, yakuza. I forget. Yeah, I forget what the the term is, but it's basically the the mafia or the yakuza. Yeah, which I mean, I don't know culturally how that is now, but 15 years ago, when it turned out that Pride, the fighting company, had that was like the biggest thing going in Japan sports wise, that they had like mob ties that company went down immediately oh my god okay yeah so that's it used to be really really serious business if you were found to have ties to the to organized crime in japan um so it seems like that was what koda was accusing new japan of (laughs) yeah but somewhere in there was also like he was calling people up for cheating on their wives which yes at this point, like in the hierarchy of like stuff men do that's bad, it's like hilarious to me because I'm like, oh, he just cheated. That's fun. Like, I think I, I think there's a cultural difference there. I think I for some for like I think there's like a it's a real big scandal to to cheat on your wife in Japan. It, it sounded like it, but it, yeah. it was also wild to me that that was like it based on those the translated tweets. Again, it it sounded like he was having like a Me Too moment, but like with wife cheaters. Which mm-hmm. so um so Coda is just he's just, he's just like free, he's just freestyling out there on Twitter. <laughs> okay, okay. He's I, I it seems like it seems to me like somebody who's trying to get fired. So okay, and then the implication being that he wants to get fired. Um, I, obviously, if the working conditions are bad, like he seems to imply, but. Um, another aspect of that is if he gets fired, then he's a free agent and, um, yeah. And then he could get picked up by other promotions, perhaps across the seas. Right. But like also that other promotion that you're slyly referring to has just entered into a major working relationship with new Japan pro wrestling. (laughs) They opened the forbidden door. Yes. (laughs) So I feel like. I feel like there's not much there, unfortunately, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. I, it's just, it's so weird, man. It's like, I, I, like, like I said, I didn't really want to talk about it because I just feel like we don't know anything. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> and let me tell you, reading through translated Japanese tweets with um, very little context on the culture and just current events in these people's lives. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Is Coda okay? Can somebody please reach out to him and make sure he's okay? Yeah. Um, can he can Kenny get on a plane? Yeah, like what is happening? But okay. I think the end of that was like him telling fans, I might be retiring. But then also yeah. I might yeah. be like taken by the Yakuza. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, well, yeah, then you say, like, I better stop talking or I'll get, like, assassinated, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what I don't know. We'll see, if he, we'll see if he tweets anymore today. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, you want to do Rampage? Yeah, let's do Rampage. Okay. 
This is from uh, May 6th. I really liked this show, except for one real glaring thing in it. But uh, I, I, other than that, I thought it was I thought it was one of the best rampages ever. Um, it makes the ratings very annoying. It, it really I, does because they missed they missed like the ratings missed maybe the best night for women's wrestling in the history of the company. <laughs> yes, I thought this rampage was incredible, for, yeah. especially in that regard because with a show that has four matches and two of them women's like, holy shit, we've, we've reached the 50, 50 mark. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. So we start off with Dr. Britt Baker, DMD and Jamie hater versus Tony storm and Ruby Soho. Now this was fine when it was Soho and, and, uh, and, uh, and Baker, like they were fine together when it got really good is when Hater and Storm got in there and just wailed on each other like they owed each other money or something. They hate each other and I love yeah, it. Yeah. That they were great together and then they were good with the other like Hater was good with Ruby, Tony was good with Britt. Um but it was best when those when Hater and Storm were there together. You could tell like okay, these are the two that are like these are like the two really good workers here. Um really good match. Uh Storm uh, hit big super kick on Brit and uh, and Pender. Yes, I I was like, oh wow, Tony Storm, you get to you get to pin the big bad. That's nice. yeah. So that so that um, that does position her and Brit for a face off potentially in the semifinals. Um, if Brit can get past that Joker. Yeah, we don't know who, but she's out there. Um, so Jericho's on commentary and suddenly a call comes in that Tony Khan later explained on Twitter that Eddie Kingston demanded to be put on the air and uh, threatened. And, and like, so he, he gets on the From phone. From a distance, he held this company hostage. I yes. demand to be put on air. That's right. Uh, so he did that. And... <laughs> Yeah, uh, he yelled at he yelled at Jericho. He talked about his wife of twenty years and how she cried when he came home. Um, it was that that part was pretty confusing. We were did is has there been any clarity as to uh, both of us thought that's weird. Thought he didn't have a wife, let alone of twenty years. Yeah, um, he doesn't. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't really know like what. I don't really know what to, uh, what to say. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's a weird it's a weird thing that to lie about. Like, well, because especially didn't he mention his partner? Um, yeah. In that article, that is basically the reason people are coming up to him on the street and being like, "Eddie, oh my God, we relate to you so hard." And it's like he's, a lot of people life, read that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was wacky. Anyway, so Jericho, Jericho's a little bit, a little bit freaked out. He he gets he gets freaked out when Eddie like goes like righteous hellfire on him with the promos. See, I love it because I know I rag on Jericho a lot, but I like his ability to Eddie's not there in front of him, so he mm-hmm. he sort of gets that real look on his face of like, oh shit, I I'm in trouble. <laughs> like I pissed <laughs> this guy off and he is scary. And then as soon as the phone call ends, he like realizes it's okay, the threat has passed, and then he just slides back into that shitty like ratings uh le champion 
character. And it's like, okay, Jericho, I appreciate your talent to switch in and out like that. That's that's very good. It is very good. Um, after that, Tony Nice and uh, Smart Mark Sterling are backstage, and they cut a promo uh, that our young friend Jay saw and thought that it was going one way, but it went very differently as as they challenged uh, the undefeated phenomenon kid that everyone's talking about, Danhausen. <laughs> I knew it was coming, and I'm like, fuck. Mm-hmm. They're gonna make they're gonna make Dan Housen fight. Yeah. Don't make Dan Housen fight. They made Dan Housen fight. Uh, so it was not Hook, but speaking of Hook, he was up next. He uh, wrestled JD Drake. He beat him real quick with a big judo throw and then the red rum. And he got that big boy up for some moves. I have to say he's it's very rough. strong. He's very strong. Um, oh, my favorite spot, spot though was when um, like he like Drake did chop. Hook and Hook like kind of sold it and was just like, oh, that really hurt. But then he like bowed up to him and was like, do it again, do it again. And then when JD Drake <laughs> went to chop him a second time, Hook headbutted his 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 uh, hand. <laughs> yes, that was wild. I'm like, I know this is a work, but like concussion, friend. <laughs> don't don't headbutt people's hands when they're flying at you. It was freaking awesome. So uh, yeah, Hook as usual makes short work of his opponent. This brings uh, Dan Housen out. And he's got a proposal and the crowd is starting to chant Hookhausen again. And Hook and Danhausen says, that sounds good. I made that up, <laughs> which he did not. Um, and then he wants Hook to be in his corner for the match against Tony Nese. And Hook kind of blows him off. But Danhausen brought chips that he put a little put a little bow on. He did. It was so cute. He stuck a little bow on. And it looked like that might work, but then Hook still just like, he's like, ah, whatever, I don't want these. But you could see some, like, reluctance in Hook's face. Yeah, well, because, first of all, he pushed him away. Hook pushed Danhausen away. Danhausen fell What on what I presume were the chips, because they were, like, in his pocket. (laughs) So he gets up and is like, here is some crumpled chips. They have a bow around them. It's very cute. And Hook did, he took a minute to be like, he took them from Danhausen. He held them in his hand and looked at it. And then, then he went all cold hearted and was like, no. And walked, like, I don't think he set them down, but he didn't like throw them at Danhausen. He just kind of dropped them and then walked away. And it was like, Hookhausen, come on. But yeah. Uh, Backstage, uh, get like an FTR promo. And Dax is basically like, I am excited to be in this Owen Hart tournament. Adam Cole, watch out. Word. Love those shirts. Love the six-star FTR shirts. Yeah. Uh, next up, Yuka Sakazaki versus Riho in an Owen Hart Foundation qualifying match. And this rule, <laughs> these, these two, they work so fast. They work so well together. Um... It was it was great. It was like it, this. This reminded me of like some of the some of the women's matches at the beginning of the promotion, uh, like before the pa- before the pandemic when they were still getting like a lot of Japanese talent in, and yeah, they don't have anybody stateside who can work at that pace. 
No, I feel like Riho runs circles around people stateside, and this was just so, for lack of better terms, magical mm-hmm. <laughs> to see the two of them work together. Because I'm assuming there's also, um, since they were both based out of Japan prior to AEW existing, like I'm sure they crossed paths, but they had probably. Great... I don't. I don't actually know for sure, but probably, yeah. Well, I'm, and I'm basing that assumption off like the limited amount of women's companies in japan um but they had such good chemistry together and the speed they matched each other's speed and it's just like like oh like they get it because i mean obviously like they were probably trained in the same style and again worked with each other and i just i wanted more japanese ladies to come over i wanted that back from pre-pandemic um because it was a lot of fun a lot of fun this is the fifth time they've wrestled each other in AEW, um, but their first singles match. So, so even just in AEW, they've been across the ring from each other a lot. Yeah, but in those uh, mixed tags, which aren't or not mixed tags, but like uh, six woman tags and yeah, larger yeah. groups, which is fine. But again, like you don't get just dedicated time to the two of them fighting each other. And man, hell of a match. Thought it was real good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Riho wins with a uh, like a flash pin. That's, that's kind of the style. Uh, Sean Spears cuts a promo on Wardlow. Good luck with that, Sean. <laughs> uh, that takes us to the worst part of the evening is Dan Lambert and the Men of the Year out. And Lambert's actually pretty funny in this because they, they're in um, Baltimore, which is his hometown. But he like just like totally turns on them and says, this, this is why I moved to Miami. And uh, and then out of nowhere, Ethan Page says that he is not going to do the mixed tag team match with Sammy because he doesn't want his daughter watching Sammy and Ty kissing each other. Newsflash, Ethan, they're not going to stop just because you don't do a mixed tag match. (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't I don't understand like a, I had forgotten about that stipulation, so they could have just never mentioned it again. And I guess, I guess I appreciate that they did, but it's just like, what happened? Like, why did they? Is Paige Van Zant not ready or something? Like, I yeah, I would assume it's something either with her scheduling or just her preparation. Although she looks, uh, in the limited interactions she has on television, she looks great. I I guess that doesn't necessarily have to translate to a full match. But I would assume it's something to do with her because she's the kind of the linchpin there. Yeah, but it's like you don't need to be able to do that much to get through a mixed tag. Like Shaq got through a mixed tag. And he looked damn good doing it. Yeah. yeah. Jade Cargill was his partner. There was both like one whole half of that match had never wrestled before, basically. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors you can use to sort of get around that so i yeah i don't know but i also truly hate that um i don't like when men use their daughters or their mothers as justification for why they can't do things as if you have to have one of those to understand women or interact with women or deal with women so i think that's dumb and then a scorpio sky is going to go to a place i hate but also dan lambert is over here talking about strippers and whores and like it just makes me think of like 
Mean Girls, where Tina Fey tells the girls, like, don't call each other sluts. That makes it okay for other, like, for them to call you sluts. And it's like, can we just get over this language? Like, can we not call, like, can we not demonize and or denigrate, like, strippers and sex workers and just let that go, please? It's really annoying. It's like... It's like, I don't know what they think they're getting out of this that makes it worthwhile to do it. Because, uh, yeah. because now, like, the Men of the Year Act mostly gets cheered. Yeah. So so People now it makes it women. seem like it's a babyface thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't... <laughs> I'm not, like, surprised. This is why... This is why I went... And I believe Jenny, too, like a while ago, why we railed so hard against this sort of shit with like Brandy and Dan Lambert. And I feel like even like early days of AEW, people pulling this shit where it's like if you start to keep saying these things. And then the crowd is like, oh, yeah, that's great. Like you they're not framing these people as bad wrestling heels are not stable enough to do this because people love an anti-hero. People like to cheer heels. You mm-hmm. can't just say this stuff on TV and be like, it's cool. They're the bad guys because it's not, it's, you don't, it's not like you don't, it's not a movie. Like you, you were, you can't f- frame and control things. You're just putting people out there saying this stuff. And if the crowd loves it, then you've got an auditorium of people being like, hell yeah, sluts. And it's like, whoa and you're on national television so like maybe think about it maybe just don't risk it maybe just don't say it maybe writing could be less lacy so unfortunately it gets worse um (laughs) so kazarian comes out and like ethan page tries to kind of like say like hey hey, this isn't the guy you know anymore you know you thought you knew like this isn't the guy you used to know he's different and because Kaz is like, shut up, I don't care about you. I just, I, I want to talk to Scorp. And because he wants his TNT title shot that Scorpion, Scorpio promised him if he if he won the title back from Sammy. So Scorpio says that, of course, you can have the shot. Because I'm going to be a fighting champion. And the TNT title won't be passed around like Ty Conti backstage. Yep. Cool fuck, times. Fuck that. fuck that. That's cool things to say, Scorpio, <laughs> my friend. He should know better. Yeah. As a person, as a person who once got in trouble for saying some stupid shit, he should know better. He should. I mean, he is saying these things in the in the context of being in Dan Lambert's stable, and Dan Lambert is doing. It's like he took, he got the memo, and then was like, "Hold on, let me crank it up a little." It was like, "This is the theme you're working on. Let me go above and beyond." And it's like, "Yeah, fucking what? That's horrible, horrible." Yeah, yeah and I also, don't know, I don't know what to say. It's yeah. I I just to clarify to anyone who thinks that's really funny and doesn't get it, Ty Conti. She can sleep with whoever the hell she wants, okay? I'm not saying she is, but if she was, she can. Just fucking back off. It's none of your fucking business. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I know that that's not the point. The joke was a joke, but like, if it if were I was true, that hot, I'd sleep with a lot of people. If I look like her, <laughs> I would be sleeping with so many people. <laughs> <laughs> who looked like, God help him. Si- no, I'd probably sleep with people who look like John Moxley. But, um, <laughs> no, is, yeah. Hot attracts hot. Like, I would find hot people. And if anybody called me a slut, I would 
if I had her judo skills, I would choke them out. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> it's just this is not this is not the way AEW. This is not no. the direction you want to go. It's 2022. Can we please? This is bad, and it's it it's it. I love AEW. It's it's my favorite wrestling promotion, maybe ever at this point, but. It, I can't like I can't trust them all the way because they do stupid like they shoot themselves in the foot so many times with this with this dumb misogynist bullshit. Yeah, I and I truly <laughs> I truly don't get why it needs to still be around. I totally understand that like the attitude area was a thing and that the people who are in AEW grew up with it and that Tony Khan just fucking loves it. Um but I think you have to take the history and say that was fun, I guess, um, at the time. But, like, if you try to bring it forward to now, it doesn't work. It doesn't hit the same. It's it, That's the magic of nostalgia. It all seems awesome until you look back on it with uh, the lens of the year you live in and all the stuff you've learned since then. And you say, holy shit, that was kind of messed up. And maybe we don't perpetuate it. Maybe we don't try to bring it back. Maybe we just do something different. Maybe. <sighs> okay. That takes us finally to our main event. Jay Lethal versus Kanosuke Takeshita. And this was, Megan, this was your first look at Takeshita. Yes. And uh, what'd you think? I thought he was awesome. I... I didn't know what to expect also because the framing of Mark Henry's interview was awesome. The way that yeah. Te- Takeshita and um, Satnam Singh basically like the perspective made them look the same size. And so uh-huh. Jay Lethal and Sanjay Dutt look like little hobbits next to them. <laughs> yeah. And I love that. So I'm like, okay. And then when you see him out in the ring fighting Jay Lethal, I know Jay Lethal's not like a huge guy, like tall wise, but Takeshita looked big. Like bigger than I expected, and he, he seems, did. He seems tall for, um, especially for like a Japanese man. Yeah, and also I guess I just assume like high flyers. I don't know. I know they can be tall, but I, I think I always picture like pack sized people because you have to be sort of, yeah, smaller to to do all that, like fly through the air. So I was like, oh wow, he's a bigger guy but he's also very athletic and he did cool stuff. And so I was impressed by him. Yeah, he looked great. And uh, he did, he did get hit with the lethal injection. Um, But uh, he got, he got, he got a lot on Jay before that. And uh, and we're going to be seeing him again next week on dynamite against hangman. Yay. So is he, um, is he signed with somebody else and he's just kind of guesting right now? Yes. He's signed with DBT um over in japan and he is he has moved to the united states for a year um and i I don't know if he's only going to work AEW, but i think that's going to be his primary home yeah okay so we can count on him being around off and on for a while i think this was a i think this was a kenny thing okay okay Cool. So I wouldn't I wouldn't even be surprised to see him kind of like tied to Kenny when Kenny gets back. Hey, that'd be fun. I sometimes I forget Kenny's still a thing. Sorry, yeah. Kenny. Yeah. I I miss you. 
when yeah, I think about be, you. <laughs> it'll be exciting when he comes back, but yeah. But yeah. they've 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 got enough star power that uh, you can you can take somebody out of the mix for a few months and it's okay. Yeah, it's it's just kind of um, alarming how out of sight, out of mind people in on these shows become. Where it's like I really like Kenny, but I have not thought of him for a very long time just because he's been off TV. Yeah. Um. So that was the match. Uh, Lethal wins. Really good match. Um. The bad guys just beat on Takeshita afterwards. And uh, basically because Sanjay Dutt accused Takeshita of thinking that he could compete with Jay Lethal. And that made Jay Lethal mad after the fact. Um, but the best friends uh, come down and try for a save. And that doesn't really work out because Satnam Singh is so big. Um, and then uh, Samojo runs down and bails them out. And uh, this... This whole storyline just feels very much like, like it's like in its own world. Like <laughs> it's kind of yeah, it's, it's like, like it feels the, like uh, outside of the main AEW continuity. Yeah, two thirty-five live or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like that's that's what's happening. Yeah, which does not exist anymore. Two hundred five live. Sorry, thirty yeah. extra pounds I added to them. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It just it does kind of feel like a. Hey, we're just over here doing our thing, and we're we're not paying attention to anything going on in the the main area here. Yeah, that's rampage. I thought a great addition to the show, and uh, hopefully tomorrow's rampage will be just as good. Uh, Megan, let's do dynamite. Dynamite. Okay, we're back in the UBS Arena in Long Island, New York, and we open the show with our first Owen Hart Championship Tournament quarterfinal match. Um, early on, oh, sorry, and it's again, it's Adam Cole versus Dax Harwood, just FYI. Um, early on, Adam tosses Dax against one of the square ring posts in such a way that Dax hurts his side, and the announce team speculates that Dax could have one or more cracked ribs as a result, which turns into the story of the rest of the match. Um, Adam gets a lot of offense and dominates for the majority of the time by focusing on Dax's side where he could have cracked a rib. Uh, yeah, that spot where Dax like just like flies out of the ring and lands on the floor on his side. What the fuck was that? <laughs> I don't know. But he could have cracked a rib or I've two. Never seen, I've never seen anyone do that. They should not do that. <laughs> I mean, I'm going, I'm operating off the assumption that he's not actually a hurt, but I guess, yeah, it didn't look, it didn't look fun, say that. Um, but yeah, like, uh, there is a point where it looks like Dax might get the win with a sharpshooter, you know, an homage to Owen Hart, who he loves, but he cannot hold on to Adam because of the pain in his side. Like, Adam moves his legs up and kind of kicks Dax in the side, so that breaks it. And then in the biggest burn possible, Adam gets the win by tapping Dax out with a sharpshooter. The crowd is, like, very mad about it, too. Martha Hart, they cut to her (laughs) reaction, (laughs) and she just kind of went, eh, okay. Somebody did a sharpshooter. I haven't watched wrestling in 25 years, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They kept cutting to her, and God love her. She just... I think at some point she just started throwing up the peace sign. Like I'm, I'm watching. Damn it! Like please, please stop cutting to me. 
I don't have any opinions. <laughs> I'm not a wrestling character. Yeah, I'm not going to make facial expressions to further your storylines. Please stop bothering me. But yeah, that was uh, that was our first Owen Hart quarterfinal. So Adam, by winning, is moving on to the next bracket. Yes. He'll take on the winner of Jeff Hardy versus Darby Allen. <laughs> Which we will get to. We will get to. Um, but next up, well, actually, speaking of that, next up, we hear from Jeff Hardy and Darby Allen. We get like a, a video package where they have talking head segments intercut with footage of each of them doing just bonkers spots, including Darby's homemade videos where he. <laughs> jumps off high places and, you know, makes bad decisions. Um, but basically we see that these two, they're both just maniacs and they're hyped for the match. Darby promises it's not going to be all headlocks because of course not. This is Darby Allen versus Jeff Hardy. And then he makes a comment about maybe asking Tony Khan to waive the rules and let them both just like basically go nuts. So that is a thing that happens. And we learn later in the show that Tony Khan, I guess, waived the rules. So it's a, it's a quarterfinals Owen Hart match, but also um, anything goes. I was, I was very excited when I saw this video package and what it, what it portended for the main event. <laughs> Let us just do crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, so we will revisit those two when we get to the main event. But for now, back in the ring, we've got our second match of the night. Hangman joins the commentary for this one because his current foe, CM Punk, is facing hometown hero, John Silver. Um, Punk is here to piss off the crowd because they hate him, because MJF really set them up to hate him. And it is great. He rolls out to the ring in an Islanders jersey. And matching gear, and it really makes the crowd mad, and I I don't know enough to know if they're just like, hey, don't wear our stuff, or if it's like the name of the name on the jersey was bad. I know this. I know. I found out um, after the fact. Thankfully, John Pollock of Post Wrestling is a Canadian and thus knows hockey things. Okay. And he said that, so like the crowd popped when they initially saw that he was wearing an Islanders jersey, because they're on Long Island. They love the Islanders, of course. But... When he turned around to display the name on the jersey, it turns out that that guy's name, and I already forget the name, but... I think it's like Travers? I don't know, but whatever it was. He is a guy who was, like, the most popular Islander, and then, like, four years ago, he just, like, hit the road and went um, went to sign with uh, some Canadian team. Oh, he lebron them. Yeah, he lebron them, so... Um, <laughs> So he's like, you know, he's like hated now. So this is so this was punk trolling the Long Island uh, crowd. I like it. If they're anything like Clevelanders, they'll they'll be so happy when he comes back and forgive him for everything. That's true. Okay, that's really funny. Yes, the crowd was super pissed when he came out. I'm like, oh wait, but that's your colors, right? I don't know hockey, but I I knew enough. Um, so yeah, they were so mad at punk. And what made them even matter is when Punk beat John Silver and he uses the buckshot lariat after making direct and lingering eye contact with Adam Page sitting in the commentary area. Um, so it was 
it was quite a thing to see him beat Adam's friend with Adam's move. <laughs> I was a little worried because, you know, Punk is not the world's greatest athlete. How but, dare uh, you? He's spry as hell. <laughs> but he, but he, 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 he stuck the landing and he, and he, I don't think he really made contact on the, I think, I think Johnny bumped before the clothesline got there, but that's okay. Johnny helps where he can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but I thought their match was pretty good. I mean, punk, I think Johnny worked to punk style, which was, uh, you know, a little slower, but still fun. And, and punk, <laughs> there was one point in picture in picture where the crowd chanted, fuck your pizza. Because, oh, you know, right. Chicago. Yeah. And then Punk got John in some sort of... He did a move and, like, set him up for a pin. And before he did it, he said, fuck your pizza. <laughs> I was just like, thank God for picture in picture where they just don't care what people say. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. Um, but, yeah, I enjoyed this match. I thought it was, it was, mm-hmm. it was just a fun match. And then, and then it got real contentious because after the match... Hangman booked it to the ring, and he's super pissed. Gets right up in Punk's face, does that whole, like, uh, nose-to-nose. You think they're going to kiss, but I guess they're not, unfortunately. Um, Not yet, yet, but we'll see how angry they get. (laughs) Punk grabs a mic after this happens, and he asks Adam why he's taking everything so personally. He says, it's not personal, it's business. And he assures Adam that even though... Adam was unwilling to shake hands with him a couple weeks ago. He will make him shake his hand after double or nothing when Punk is the new champ. And he extends his hand now to give him that shot. But Adam just like says like he he's in a huff and he just like flips him off and then leaves. So seems like Adam's not going to be into that handshake thing. No. Heavens no. No. So, yeah, that's where we leave those two. Backstage, Tony Schiavone is talking to Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, and Rebel. Uh, He says that Jamie is set to take on Tony Storm tonight as part of the Owen Hart Championship Tournament quarterfinals. Britt says she knows that Jamie is going to beat Tony tonight, but before she really starts hyping up her girl, she takes a minute to alert us all to the conspiracy against her that is still alive and well because... If you'll remember, she's been put up against the Joker. So obviously AEW is working some stuff against her. Every time they mention the Joker, I wanna th- I wanna like make a joke about how someone is having to actually wrestle the Joker, but I can I can't I can't ever like find a good angle on it. Yeah, well don't worry, I mean we haven't, I've, we haven't... I've gotten until Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, we don't we haven't had any Joker matches, so it's still out yeah. there. We've got until Wednesday to crack it. Yeah. So uh, other than the Joker though, Tony does point out that if Britt and Jamie both win their match, like their first round match, they will meet in the brackets. And um he says, like, how are you gonna handle that? And Jamie looks like I don't know, kind of hesitant, and she says, I don't want to talk about it. And then Britt steps up and is like, Look. If that happens, the best person will win. And it's like, okay, Britt, is this a scenario where you expect Jamie to lay down for you? But, uh, you know, we'll get to that. I just thought their their differing reactions were pretty funny. Britt was just like, don't worry, we'll 
we'll have a great match and the best person will win. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, after that, oh, man. We have Tony Nice against Danhausen. This is the moment. Danhausen gets an entrance. Tony Nice does not. This is a point of contention later. Um, I love that they made it a story point, though. Yes, it it was very funny because I'm like, oh, they they made Tony Nice be out there already. Okay, we I I did enjoy seeing Danhausen entrance and like gear. It's um I know he's a wrestler, but I honestly have not pictured him wrestling ever at at this point. So he goes out there. The match starts. He tries to curse both Tony Nice and Mark Sterling, who is on the apron. It doesn't work. And Tony Nice immediately goes ham on poor Danhausen and squashes him in like five seconds. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a tough in-ring debut for poor Danhausen. It is. I was surprised. I, uh, I, I, like, you know, because he got, because Tony Nice got the jobber entrance. I just figured like, oh, Danhausen's going to win this match. <laughs> I didn't know if he was going to win. I did. I was like, oh, we're going to get to see him wrestle. What a surprise. And then I was like, no, he just got kicked in the face pretty much. That was his role. So what a wild turn of events. Um, but so the match was like super short. But then right after Mark Sterling jumps in the ring and he's got a mic and he starts riling Tony Nice up even more so that he he attacks Danhausen again. He does like a running knee strike because um, Danhausen's in the corner. And then and he mentions like this guy got music and you didn't. Um, and he tries to get him egg him on to do a third knee strike because that's how he had also won the match. But before Tony Nice can do that, Hook's music hits. And uh, we find out that the handsome devil may not be so cold-hearted because he walks down casually, as he is wont to do. But his presence scares away <laughs> Mark Sterling and Tony Nice very quickly. And so uh, Hook is in the ring with Danhausen, And Danhausen extends a hand to Hook. Hook looks at him. And after a moment, after consideration... He takes his hand and he gives him a quick squeeze, barely a shake at all, but then just takes off. I don't know where this Hookhausen thing is going, but they have magic right now um, <laughs> that I don't know if they were fully planning on this, but they have to run with it for at least a while. Yeah, I I think why not? Because, I mean, obviously, like. Hook can Hook is undefeated. And it's hard to picture him losing because he's Hook and he's kind of got that air about him. So, like, I can picture Danhausen getting in fights with people and then Hook being like, I will be the menacing older brother and take care of this. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's a funny dynamic. So, yeah, we'll see. And they're doing a they're going to wrestle in the buy in Tony and uh, Mark Sterling against Hookhausen. Yes, they're going to make cool. Mark Sterling wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> Fun times. Did you did you uh, did you watch BT this week? I did. I absolutely loved the the smart Mark Sterling uh, infomercial about about uh, like like basically like suing if you've been cursed by Dan Housen. Yes, <laughs> yes, they've done a few other um, parody commercials with him, and I really like him, the lawyer, and I like it a lot. I think he's funny. He's so funny. He's I I love him. Yeah. 
So we'll see how that goes at the bye, and that's it's going to be an interesting match. Tag team. <laughs> mm-hmm. <sighs> okay, so after that, um, we're going to get the confrontation with Wardlow and MJF. But before we do that, there is a super well-done mock commercial for the first episode of the next season of Dark Side of the Ring, where you get the graphic, and Chris Jericho's narrating, and then we find out it's... Uh, this episode is about like the greatest match of whatever. And we learn along with Chris Jericho that they're talking about MJF and CM Punk's dog collar match. And Jericho's like, wait, what the hell is this? Uh, but luckily he's getting paid enough to finish the ad read. So, um, we get some talking head segments where Taz and Jake Roberts are highlighting how much Wardlow screwed up the match for MJF. And they do the dark side of the ring kind of, um, not in focus reenactments, which I thought was great. <laughs> and uh, and they also call in, I don't know who this is, I'm sure you do, Barry Horowitz uh, as yes. a fellow Jewish wrestler to support right. MJF. It's a famous WWF jobber. Okay. Well, he's there to throw his weight behind MJF. Um, so I love this. I thought that was really funny. Uh, but that that played before MJF made his entrance. For the next segment um in the ring wardlow walked out with security in handcuffs prior to them showing that video and this is like the first time the crowd is truly not on wardlow's side which i i realize we're in long island but man what a weird shift in energy because they were booing him and i'm like but it's it's board dog why does it what do you mean why? You know why. I mean, I know why, but it was also like, <laughs> war dog. Because, um, yeah, then MJF made his entrance. He's wearing an, an Islanders hockey, not hockey. He had a jersey on, but probably someone they liked. Um, and he comes out and it's like, holy shit, we love this guy. Uh, so he makes his way down and he sits down across the table from Wardlow and he says they've got a real David and Goliath situation. You know, a Jewish prince from the holiest of lands, Long Island, uh, versus a big oaf. (laughs) The crowd loves it. Um, And then MJF's like, okay, we're here because I have conditions for you, and you have to accept all of them in order to earn a match with him at Double or Nothing. And the match at Double or Nothing is to allow Wardlow to get out of his contract. So MJF says his conditions are he's going to whip him, a la... (laughs) The roller coaster 10 times and then if he survives that he will have to ward or wardler will have to wrestle sean spears in a cage match with special guest ref mjf and wardlow was like kind of smirking at this and then mjf said like i don't know what you're laughing at you're oh and two in cage matches <laughs> yes that was funny <laughs> so the second one is the mma cage right I, yeah, I would think that has to count, right? Cause, yeah, because I, I can't think of another cage match. Yeah. And so, yeah. I also, <laughs> I know we'll see how it plays out, but logistically, it seems like if MJF is a, a referee, um, there he won't win. Like, I know he will, but like. They'll figure out a way for him to win. Okay. Okay, so yeah, so those are the terms, surprisingly only two, and then um, MJF is also like, well, we've spelled out what happens if you win at a match at Double or Nothing, like you get out of your contract, but if you lose, uh, 
you have to agree that you'll never, ever sign a contract with AEW. So it's like a career match, basically, or the equivalent or whatever, like loser leaves town. Um, I... I know that they're, I know what they're, they always are trying to do with these steps, but I never, I never really like the loser leaves town steps because it makes, I, I think it, it like 99% of the time, it just makes the winner of the match completely obvious. It's the person who is not putting their, who it's, it's the winner is going to be the person who's putting their career on the line. Right. Yeah. 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 That's um, just me. I don't know. Maybe it works for other people. No, that's fair. I, uh... I mean, I'm assuming Wardlow's going to win this match because oh, yeah. why would he not? But yeah, so so those but those are the uh, the stipulations. Um, Wardlow goes to sign this contract. He's OK with it, but he just can't with those pesky handcuffs in the way. So MJF orders him to be released from the cuffs. Even Sean Spears, the chair pervert, knows that this is a bad idea. But MJF can't be stopped. He's like, just let him out. And so Wardlow is released from the cuffs. He signs the contract. And then MJF is like, well, hook him back up. And he's also like berating him as he's ordering people to put the cuffs back on Wardlow, which is the dumbest thing, again, that you could do. So Wardlow um, just starts beating people up. And MJF is shocked. Absolutely shocked when this happens. (laughs) He cannot believe it. He cannot. Wardlow clears the ring of all the security and Sean Spears and all the like um, Mark Sterling, I feel like was there. Maybe Um, he just clears the ring of everyone except for MJF and he gets him set up for a power bomb. And then uh, MJF weasels away because Mark Sterling, he is there. He jumps on Wardlow's back and essentially sacrifices himself because MJF isn't there to save him. Like it distracts Wardlow. MJF flees and then Mark Sterling, for his trouble, gets powerbombed through the table that was set up. Hell yeah. Yeah. It was fun. I this love was a Wardlow. great segment. This is a great segment. The crowd was cheering for Wardlow by the end of it, which is amazing. Um, they were certainly not booing MJF, nor would I want them to. But the fact that they, they used smart Mark Sterling to leverage cheers for Wardlow's destruction... And a bunch of like you know ND security guards. That yes. was that was that was good. <laughs> this this feels this to me feels like the hottest program, like heading into double or nothing so far. Yeah, people want to see War Dog get free of his stupid MJF contract. Mm-hmm. And obviously MJF gets some comeuppance that he has been deserving forever. Yeah, I'm excited. I think it's gonna be fun. Yeah. And I guess it seemed like they were trying to, like, when I was trying to do the the weekly show math, I'm like, oh, they got a lot of stuff to get through before the pay-per-view. But I guess they have, what, like, three weeks, two weeks? Because it's the last weekend in May? Yeah, two more, two more dynamites. Okay, so I assume the whipping will happen on one, and then the Sean Spears will happen on the other. Whipping is in Texas next week, and then the Spears match will be in Vegas, uh, the, the three day, uh, four days before the show. Okay. Okay. Cool. Oh, all right. After that drama, we get a quick video promo from Samoa Joe, who will be facing the Joker in the Owen Hart Championship Tournament brackets. Um, 
we see him mention that in a talking head segment and then it cuts to Sanjay Dutt and Jay Lethal standing with Satnam Singh um and Sanjay Dutt assures Joe that neither Jay nor Satnam Singh are the Joker but that doesn't really mean that they won't be giving him some trouble so Joe is like all right great um I will take care of both of these men after the tournament right now I need to focus on the tournament so I guess that's the plan for for him Mm -hmm. gotta swat these mosquitoes away that's what it seems like (laughs) so after that the next match we have is jungle boy challenging ricky starks for that fake ftw title um i can't picture ricky starks losing his precious but jungle boy is a worthy adversary so i wasn't really sure you know what to expect here luckily ricky gets some unexpected help that leads him to keeping his title he hits a point in the match where he just decides to take his ball and go home. So he picks up the title and starts to leave, but Swerve Strickland comes out to stop him, and that's all he does. He He's not trying to interfere. He's just trying to keep Ricky Starks from walking away and taking a count out. But this inadvertently causes a distraction for the ref, who is, like, focused on yelling at Swerve to get out. And so Jungle Boy gets a pin that doesn't get counted, and then right after that, Starks is able to give him a Rochambeau and get the actual pin. And it's, uh, you know, it's very upsetting for poor jungle boy. Um, and swerve who was like, but I didn't mean to, <laughs> he's like, I'm sorry. So Ricky starts to keep his, uh, his fake title for now. Yeah. That was fine. It did not, it did not reach the heights that I thought that these two were capable of. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can see what you're saying. Like, I didn't dislike it, but yeah. it wasn't really out of control in the way it could have been. Yeah. So. Um, and they really messed up that DDCT spot the first time. They did. Yeah. They did. But they, you know, they tried to course correct. <laughs> so after the match, a couple things happen. Um Christian and Luchasaurus come out. They go past Swerve and they make a point of flanking him and sort of bumping into him Mm -hmm. to show that, like, we're not happy with what you did. And while Swerve is trying to plead to them to be like, hey, (laughs) while you're in the ring helping Jungle Boy, can you please just, like, acknowledge that I didn't mean to do this? Uh, Powerhouse Hobbs shows up. He, He is on the outside suddenly with Ricky and they start to approach Swerve which uh, causes Keith Lee's music to hit and for Keith Lee to walk out and provide backup. So the four of them stare at each other, but they do not break into fighting right at the moment. So after that, the camera goes up and we see Jungle Boy in the ring, leaning on the top rope uh, on the other side of the ring, looking very disappointed in himself. It's very sad uh, and disheartening. And Luchasaurus starts to walk away, but Christian starts slowly approaching jungle boy while his back is turned and i'm like oh no something bad's gonna happen but instead christian reaches out and gives jungle boy a sympathetic pat on the back and is like you'll get him next time bud okay so do you think they lose the tag titles at the pay-per-view and christian gets mad turns there or do you think 
they lose the tag titles of the pay-per-view and Christian turns on them on the following dynamite. Or do you think they just keep it going and they retain the tag team titles? I think they've started showing Christian in the light of somebody who will turn, but it's AEW, so their story arc can go on for much longer than you'd expect. I would say pay-per-view. Pay-per-view, they lose and he turns. So you do the angle right there, right after the match? I would think, because I, I think that's what it'll take to really, like, push him. Because it seems like he's skirting the edge. And that would be, like, that would be the thing that, like, pisses him off. Okay. I can see it. I, I'm going to officially guess that he that they do it as an angle on the show, the following show. Okay. That would also make sense. He has time to stew about it. Gets mad. They're going to they're going to Los Angeles like in June. So they probably want to do some kind of big jungle boy thing there. I would think. Um they probably want to like feature all as many of the California guys in a big way as they can on that show. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe so maybe you wouldn't do the turn there because you don't want him to, you know, get beat up in his hometown. But uh but if they do the turn in advance, then that gives Jungle Boy somebody to be. He could like go for revenge. Yeah, to be yeah. fighting. Yeah. So interesting. We'll see. I re- I really thought Christian was gonna. I don't know. If not fully turn, slap him in the face or something. He he just looked displeased. That's what I'll say. So after that. The Jericho Appreciation Society have decided to congratulate themselves, like literally throw a celebration for themselves, for taking out Santana and Ortiz and throwing a fireball at Eddie Kingston's face. Um, Jericho is very self-congratulatory about all of this. And then Daniel Garcia gets on the mic very briefly to say that the same thing happens every time a pro wrestler enters the ring with a sports entertainer. Sports entertainer wins. Which I think is probably not true, <laughs> but okay. Um, at this point, John Moxley's music hits, and he just casually stro- strolls to the ring, like through the crowd. Doesn't he takes his sweet time? He does not make it a fast affair. And when he finally gets ringside, he looks at them, and Jericho is like, "Hey, listen, Moxley, I'm gonna give you the opportunity to just leave because I don't know if you've done the math, but it's five to one." You know, you don't have a chance, so get out. It's like he's never seen John Moxley just throw himself into a group of people. He's been in this situation with John Moxley before. And exactly. <laughs> if I remember correctly, it, it resulted in him losing the world title to John Moxley. Yeah, he has a short memory for these sort yeah. of things. So John Moxley is like, I don't he he just looks at him like okay, don't be stupid. And then uh cue Brian Danielson's music. And he walks out with Yuta Wheeler and William Regal. And so, you know, technically we're up to four. Jericho's like, well, that's still four. You don't have five. And while he's like yelling this, (laughs) Santana, Ortiz, and Eddie Kingston are climbing up on the other side of the ring behind them. So suddenly the Jericho Appreciation Society is flanked on both sides. We've got 
Yuta, Danielson, and Moxley on one, and then Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz on the other. Regal's, he's not on the apron. He's a gentleman. What was that, like, horror makeup that Eddie Kingston was wearing over his on his face? <laughs> Look, he got his face burned. It has uh-huh. to be bad, okay? No, that's what happens <laughs> when you get burned by a wizard. Yeah, you can it see it like from that. a mile away. <laughs> it's wild. Um, but yeah, so uh, it's six versus five now, if you're doing the math. And they all attack. It's chaos. And then eventually, uh, Jake Hager, I believe it was, tries to pull Jericho out of the ring out of danger. And what he does is he just pulls him into William Regal's like area. And Regal grabs him and clocks him in the face. And I was like, yeah, Regal, yeah. Um, so the JAS quickly retreats after that happens. Was Regal, could you tell, was Regal wearing um, the brass knuckles that he used to have on a little uh, little pillow on in his NXT office? I could not tell. Oh yeah. my gosh, I hope he got to take those. <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember that little velvet pillow? <laughs> I do, I love it. It's just sitting there. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. Regal was amazing because after, after the JS retreated, the camera sort of like went back towards the ring because that's where, you know, the victors were. But mm-hmm. Regal's standing in the foreground just looking like the most intense, like, like he's not joking. He's serious and he's going to kill somebody. I'm like, all right, Regal, we get it. You like violence. And those two are going to have a big uh, promo segment against each other next week. Yeah. Should be good. Yeah. So I'm a little, I was a little sad when I realized that we're not getting Santana or we're not getting Homicide and Hernandez, but it does make sense. Like, because Mox is Eddie's friend, you know, so it it, it all ties together. Um, And so I guess this will be, this has to be a 10 man at the pay-per-view, which makes sense because Wheeler's going to be out of country doing best of the super juniors. So, so the numbers work out. Okay. I was wondering about that. I'm like, okay. Yeah, well, that tournament um, that tournament starts, I think, next week, and it doesn't end until like the beginning of June, I believe. Oh. Yeah. So he's gonna be he's gonna be he's not he's gonna miss the pay per view. Oh. Well, you know, I think this is a really gonna be a really good experience for him. Oh yeah, I mean, good for him, but also like it's so sad you're you're part of the team and you don't get to do your first pay per view with them. Oh. Let me see. Yeah, uh, May 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 fifteenth to June third. All right. Is it presumed that he will be gone the whole time? Because yeah, he's you're even even when on non-tournament days, you're it's not a single. It's a round robin tournament for one thing, so he's still have a lot of matches. Okay. And then even on non-tournament, like when you're not in a tournament match, you'll be in like a tag or something. Okay, I was I guess I was thinking of it as like single elimination. Like if they knew he would be either like going to the end or or not, but it sounds like he'll he'll need to be there the whole time. So mm-hmm. okay. All right, good luck, Wheeler Yuta. I thought that I I thought the segment was cool. I like seeing the Blackpool Combat Club, obviously. Um it's a fun times. Uh after that encounter, we get a brief promo video for the match between Serena Deeb and Thunder Rosa. It's not them talking, it's just clips of them being badasses while JR, Dustin Rhodes, and Tony Schiavone talk about the strengths of each of them. Um, it, it kind of, I like the videos they do like this, where it's like the pay-per-view prep videos where essentially it's like, you know, like announcer professional analysis, basically. Yes. Yeah. I like these. They do a good job with these. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Look forward to that. Um, and then after that, our next match is the first women's Owen Hart Championship Tournament qual- or quarterfinal match. And it's between Jamie Hayter and Tony Storm. And these two ladies, as we discussed on Rampage, uh, they have a no-nonsense hard-hitting match. And Tony Storm is the one who gets the win with the Storm Zero. So luckily for Jamie, she won't have to worry about facing Britt in the next round because that has been determined for her, whether she likes it or not. Um, so yeah, I I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to more Tony Storm on this year program. And yeah, um, after that, we get a promo from Scorpius Guy talking about his upcoming match on Rampage for the TNT Championship. Uh, Frankie, who is Scorpio's friend, is mentioned, but Scorpio says, like, that's not going to be a big deal. Frankie is my friend, but I'm, you know, essentially not going to let that hinder me because he wants everyone to treat him with respect and understand that he's worthy of respect. And he's the TNT championship holder. So, uh, that's a video package. But after that, we actually get an interview to hear Frankie's side of this. And he's talking to Lexi Nair, who, uh, <laughs> who is just asking him, like, hey, what's up with this match? And so uh, Sammy and Tay immediately interrupt with a warning for Frankie. Sammy says, hey, Scorpio's not the man you used to know, so just be careful. And Frankie's like, mm, okay, thanks. Get out of here. He doesn't take anything Sammy says seriously. And it's just like, I'm going to fight my friend. So, what a what a time for him. So yeah, these two are gonna have their their match, and uh, I suspect their friendship is gonna suffer. How would Sammy know what Scorpio used to be like and his friendship with Frankie, and how could he know if Scorpio was different now? You know, that's a good question, Sammy. Uh, it's just a smarmy little bastard. I think he just assumes he knows things because he's Sammy. <laughs> What's he going to do? <laughs> Fair. Andy, your voice has changed. I know. It got a little higher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Is that Jenny? What's up? <laughs> hey, Megan. Hey, I Jenny. thought I joined the, the last bit of it. All right. Did you have any thoughts on... Uh, Scorpio Sky uh, facing Frankie for that TNT championship? I I did not because I did not see it. Um, but I did, did. Who won? Oh, they haven't fought yet. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's on Rampage. <laughs> this is just the setup to the ultimate match. <laughs> I feel very prepared for this podcast. Oh, I can tell. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> Are you like so prepared for the main event? Because that's what's next. Oh yeah, I'm 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 all set for the main event. I've got my notes. I I clearly know what the main event is. So you really are super interested in talking about Darby Allen against Jeff Hardy? Oh, I am not. <laughs> I am not. Did someone <laughs> go to hospital though? I I heard uh, I heard them talking about someone was going to go to hospital. Um, I think probably. One or both of them should have. <laughs> the way it <laughs> turned out, like they didn't show them being taken away in an ambulance, but seems like they were rough, Ooh. pretty rough. 
but yeah, should I, I should wait until Andy's back to talk about that one, shouldn't I? No, you can go ahead and start talking. Oh, gosh. Because, like, Jenny, this is not my kind of match either. This shit was <laughs> wild. Um. All right. All right, listeners. Main event, Darby Allen versus Jeff Hardy for the Owen Hart Championship Tournament quarterfinals. Uh, and it's an anything goes match, Jenny, which you'll be happy to know means that there are no rules. They just can do whatever they want. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, no. So right off the bat, as soon as the bell rings, Darby fucking goes for it. He he knocks Jeff Hardy out of the ring, and then he does uh, a tope suicida to the outside. And then when Jeff Hardy's knocked down, he immediately starts setting up eight metal chairs in what I think JR calls a coffin formation it's essentially four chairs on each side facing each other with no space in between them so like it is kind of like a coffin <laughs> so you fall into the space between and there's that's no the space coffin? the the front Wait. the the chair seats are basically touching each other and then the chair backs are to the outside so like how is that a coffin um I mean, it's a, coffin. yeah you could lay on it it's not gonna shut but Darby sets up this elaborate arrangement and then uh, he pretty much leaves it behind because he and Jeff start fighting and Jeff Hardy's offense is largely stair based. He picks up the stair. Well, he doesn't pick them up so much as he kind of rolls them in into formation so that he can try and slam Darby into them, but he ends up getting slammed into them. It's a lot. Um, they're they're doing stuff, and you know Darby's getting injured, kayfabe, which is good because otherwise, there's no explanation as to why he couldn't just run circles around Jeff Hardy. Sorry, Andy, <laughs> I realize that. I thought this would be the I thought this would be the Hardy match that won you over. Um, it was fine. It's just Jeff Hardy's he he's a slow moving, injured man. <laughs> he's allowed to be. Uh, when he got out. The 12-foot ladder. I was like, Jeff, no. Jeff, no. You're going to... Jeff, no. Um, so he got out this giant ladder. And he set it up on the on the edge of the ring where the chair coffin was. Mm. So it's in the ring. The chair coffin's on the outside of the ring. And Jeff Hardy started to cr- climb that ladder. And I'm like, oh my god, he's going to do the swanton and Darby was laying on the chairs and then Darby jumps up and goes up the ladder and starts hitting him. And then Jeff Hardy falls and goes to the chairs and Darby gets up to the top of the ladder and he does the Jeff Hardy, uh, you know, like the guns to the face or whatever. And he does the swanton dive. And I thought they were both going to die, but Hey, I think they survived. They got up. They looked injured. They got up. Jeff put a uh, pair of steel stairs on its side and laid Darby out on it and then tried to do the swanton off the post and Darby got out of the way. (laughs) Yep. Yep. (laughs) He did. He's fast. This match was was so great. I don't know what you're talking about. 
I didn't say it was bad. I just, you know, I, you know, it's fine. Fine. Mm. Uh, in a surprising twist, though, Jeff Hardy was the one who got the win. Oh, I didn't expect that. I didn't either. I didn't either. Derby hit the coffin drop. And then as he was like, he just kind of leaned back to pin Jeff. And Jeff used that to turn it into a cradle. Yeah. And like, it was actually kind of clever because they were up against the the ladder that was still in the ring. So he was kind of like, hard, like Derby was kind of pinned into the ladder too. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that was a good kind of way to, to play it off a little too. Because again, I don't think none of us thought that Jeff Hardy was going to advance, but he definitely is. And so I guess he's going to face Adam Cole in the next round of these, these matches. Yeah. Which makes sense when you think about how the Bucks and the Hardys are tied together right now. Yes. And after the match, the undisputed elite, which at this point is red dragon, young Bucks, Adam Cole, they all walk out. And the the Bucks and the Hardys have like a moment where they they don't leave the stage, but they they stare and yell at each other. So here we are. Here we are, and that was and that was dynamite. Twas dynamite. The hell of a show, I thought. I enjoyed it. I I'm sure the ratings won't reflect the quality, but I thought it was good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I think that takes us to. Our, uh, our new segment, the Elite Beat Plug of the Week. Who would like to go first this week? I'll go first. All right. So none of you want to speak up. I would like to plug the little scene independent feature film Jurassic Park by Steven Spielberg. <laughs> not enough talk about that movie. I think it was underseen. Uh, no, but like we watched that this past weekend. I hadn't seen it start to finish in a while. It's, it's a total masterpiece. It's one, it's one, I think it's one of the best movies ever made. It's, it's, it may be the best popcorn movie ever. I love it. I second yeah. it. Yeah. Stone Cold classic. I actually quite enjoyed it. We watched it. Good. I, however, I'm like, used to Marvel movies now where like they the Tyrannosaurus Rex and the Raptors fought each other and then they got out of the room and then they were like oh call the helicopters so we can go home and I thought like there'd be some other like big obstacles but no like they just got in the helicopters and went home like the T-Rex would just rip the helicopter out of the air yeah so it was like it was a tight it was a tight movie like it kept its uh mm-hmm. pace up do you know there's only like 15 minutes of dinosaur footage in that movie? No, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Is most of it a sick uh, triceratops? That's a big chunk of it. <laughs> Do they count the eggs? There's a lot of egg footage. I think they count like the egg and the hatching and stuff, yeah. A little, it's a great little movie. Puppet. Hmm. I love it. Jet- Jeff Goldblum shirtless lounging posing was the oddest thing I've ever seen. I think what you meant was one of the best parts of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) 
what's your plug of the week? Um, I started watching the Netflix show Russian Doll. Oh, the Natasha Leon show? Yes. And I realize I'm like possibly multiple years late on this hot take, but uh it's pretty good. Pretty pretty interesting. I haven't finished season one, but I think I only have like maybe two or three episodes to go. Um it's very consumable. It's like uh half an hour-ish, mm. usually twenty to thirty minutes because it's Netflix and they can do whatever time frame they want. Yeah. Um and it's very, very good. It's a it's a time loop mystery, I wanna say. Like uh yeah, like she's stuck in the same day and the mystery is her trying to figure out how to like what's going on with that because essentially she dies. And Oh, is it like Happy Death Day? Um, yeah. Yeah, kind of. I don't know if her solving what well, she doesn't have to solve like who murdered her because she dies in a variety of different ways and none of them I believe are murder, but I could be wrong, but I think she has to figure out what's going on with with her and she meets another person who's in a time loop too so they start working together oh oh like that uh spring break or that uh like was it the vacation oh yeah that vacation palm spring yes yeah yeah Yeah. i think that's it yeah also a great movie loved it Mm -hmm. so yeah i just started that it's a quick watch and very fun and funny and also sort of dark if you think about it how many times she dies <laughs> <laughs> any good um any good uh too scary didn't watch this week oh i have been plowing through that podcast um they're all great i love them so much they just recently reminded me how much i love uh the movie and now i'm gonna forget what it's called hold on let me look oh what lies beneath oh the the one harrison ford horror movie and his repertoire very good movie but um i think the podcast is great i am finding it very helpful um because you know you and i have decided to watch scary movies and so now i have a cheat sheet and i can feel more comfortable about it so (laughs) Shout out to Get Out as well, the movie we watched this week that is a fucking masterpiece, and uh, and I survived it. <laughs> Jenny? I watched, shockingly, another K-drama this week. No. I know, I know. Well, you finished one, and so I finished, you know, forecasting love and weather, and they were like, how about this movie with spring in the title? So it's called One Spring Night. <laughs> and uh, it was, it, I, I don't know how close to reality it was <laughs> and, and culture, but if it was anything close to what is acceptable <laughs> in, in relationships between men and women, um, it was shocking. I'm um, so confused so, by that description. <laughs> so it starts out where this woman is unhappy in her relationship and, like, basically is, like, going to break up with this guy. Okay. So then she then tells him over the next 11 episodes, 
multiple times. We are breaking up. We are broken up. And everyone. Does he just say no? He just says no. I don't. Okay, you can't do that. And becomes like a stage five clinger. And then when she tells like her family and stuff, they're like, oh, yeah, this is going to take a while for you guys to break up. And it's like, why? (laughs) Why would it take a while for you guys to break up? I don't understand that. I think if you don't want to be in a relationship, I don't think the other person, you're not married, you're not engaged, you're just dating, you're not living together. How can the other person just say no? I mean, they did it on Seinfeld. Yeah, but like, but then she still like was like talking to him and like going out to dinner with him. It's like, well, you could just say no to his no. But, but anyway, so then, then she finally like, makes it very clear that they're broken up. She actually goes and meets his dad and tells his dad that she doesn't want to be with him anymore <laughs> to, like, break up with him. Hope nobody wanted to watch One Spring Day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, spoilers. Spoilers for One Spring Day. <laughs> and then she goes and tells her family that they're broken up. She actively is dating another man. And for the next five episodes, this crazy boyfriend is still one by one systematically going through her friend and family group and meeting with them saying that they're gonna get married and talking to her dad about like planning their I was just like fascinated by like how this could possibly happen I mean I it could be there could be some subtle cultural differences sure but also I could see this being a (laughs) rom-com in a way that's like this is not the message you want to send about love and how it works and consent and dating. It just seemed like everyone was like, oh yeah, this is natural. Like, it's just like, but why? But it's not. If someone breaks up with you, accept it and move on. Yes. 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 She actually like marries the other guy and, and he's still, (laughs) but spoiler. like, like a couple minutes before is still talking to other people of like, yeah, we're going to get married. Like we're still together. Like, it's just like, you're not dude. <laughs> this is the beginning of a lifetime movie. Yeah. So that, uh, is Jurassic Park on HBO max Russian doll on Netflix and one spring day also on Netflix, but don't watch it unless you want all of your recommendations to turn into K dramas. And maybe you do. You don't know. It's not a bad. It's not a bad place to be. I the next one that popped up, I started watching and I watched a couple episodes of it and I disliked it. But I was trying to like power through of like clearly. Like this is people are going to come to senses like about what's happening. And no, they didn't. So I had to give that one up. But so I don't know. I don't know, I might be taking a K-drama break, or I might find another one that I like. We'll see what my recommendation is next week. But it was basically, like, this K-drama was trying to, like, basically do an American show. And it's like, if I wanted to see disasters of fuckboy relationships, I have Bravo. I don't need, like, my K-dramas to do this to me. That's fair. It's fair. There's also The Ultimatum on Netflix, which is... You know, that seems like trash TV to the max, and I'm ready to watch it. I have not watched that yet. I am up for watching that. I love anything hosted by, obviously, Nick Lachey. Obviously. I'm obviously Nick Lachey. 
did take over. It finally knocked Bridgerton out of the uh, number one streaming show, uh, Nielsen Rankings. Boo! Just wait till you watch it, though, Jenny. I don't think I'm going to like it more than Bridgerton. Probably not. It's going to be more sex. Thanks for for your pop culture. I don't think that's possible. Thanks for your pop culture picks of the week. We're going to get out of here. We'll be back next week. This has been the Elite Beat. Elite Beat. Elite Beat.